Welcome to the Scott Ross Discipleship Podcast. Scott has been discipling men and women for more than 20 years and is passionate about helping you grow into the full measure of the maturity of Christ. Grab your Bible, something to write with, and your favorite warm beverage, and let's listen as Scott takes us deeper in our walk with God. No, no. The breath of life is the is the animating principle, like what makes you alive versus dead. We talked about this before, but like, um, you know, I, I I mentioned that I will ask an atheist, because the atheist will tell you that all that exists is matter, right? Material world is everything. You know, the universe is all like Carl Sagan's famous thing: the universe is all that ever was, all that ever is, and all that ever will be, right? So. Okay, so it's chemistry, right? Everything's chemistry. Um, but if I was to die right now, like if you were to slit my throat or something could instantaneously uh, shoot me, something that would instantaneously take my life, all the chemistry is identical in that moment. The chemistry, when I was alive, when I was dead, nothing changes. I have all the organs, I have all the cells. What's different? They can't explain that. That difference is the Ruach, the breath of life. Can I share a story that will be honest with you? Okay, well, I don't know now. I mean, if you had just shared it, I would have been ready, but now you're like telling me to like kind of grip. This is the biggest proof I've ever had that there is something. Um, when I was a cop, the, I was sent to an accident from Denton on 380. Lady hit an 18-wheeler head-on in a little tiny car mm. about 80 miles an hour. And um, the firemen were cutting her out of the car, and my job as the rookie cop was to stand there with a flashlight. They had the clean lights everywhere, but there was a little bit of shadow in the car. And so I was taking my mag light and holding it mm-hmm. to alleviate the shadows as they were trying. They actually were trying to spread her out. The car had compressed so much that they needed to spread it back apart so they could get her out of there. Mm-hmm. She was catatonic the whole time, but they said she was still alive. Um, they pulled her out and put her, because they never die on the street. They never die when they get to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Any EMT will tell you that. They never die in the ambulance. Mm-hmm. You have to have a doctor do it. Mm. I will swear to my dying day that I know the minute the Ruach left that woman. Mm. She never moved. She eyes were glassed over. I was watching the whole nothing else to do. I was just standing there. Mm. I will swear to my grave that I knew the moment her spirit departed her body. Mm. I don't know how, but mm. I knew it. Mm. And that to me was the biggest proof that there is something special. All this philosophy that they try to wrangle the mind-body problem to come mm-hmm. up with some answer that doesn't require God, mm-hmm. it's all crud. Yeah. Because I saw that lady's spirit leave her body. Yeah. I felt it. Yeah. It was very real. Yeah, well, I mean, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I, you know, I was with my grandfather when he passed away. He passed away at home in his bed. Um, he was 97, and um, he had cancer in the end. And, like, we were all just sitting there holding his hand. And there was a second he was there, and there was a second that he wasn't. Nothing changed. But that, I mean, obviously, that's everything. It's the whole, I mean, it's everything. So, um, yeah. So, we're going to get into this difference between animal and man right now for, because that's a good question. And so, like, this is why I mentioned those passages in Job and Isaiah. 
So in Job, we see there's a difference. It says, if he put his mind to it and withdrew the spirit and breath he gave. Now, this is a subtle reference, but what Job is saying is that when he gave me breath, he also gave me some of him that I don't want him to take or that he could take if he wanted to. Uh, it shows that mankind got more than breath like the animals got. We got something unique that the animals didn't get. We got some, uh, the divine nature is in us in a, in a way that is not in the animal. Um, Isaiah 42, 5, this is what God the Lord says, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. So, the difference between the animals and the humans is that, first of all, the humans are the only ones he breathed directly into. He didn't breathe in directly into all the animals. And when the, when the breath came into us, we got this spirit part a little bit, too. We got something unique. It's more than mere physical breath. It's like spiritual breath. I don't know. Scott, should we take it super literally or anthropomorphic that these are just a way to explain that we're yeah. God's image? No, I think that's I think that's right. But I do think that there's an animating principle to this idea that he breathed life into us. Now, obviously I guess we could get philosophical and say you know, if there's not a literal Adam and a literal Eve, then maybe it's it's super metaphorical. I believe that he actually breathed into the, a person named Adam, and he animated his body. Now, uh, that's a non-essential, by the way, uh, you know. Uh, but um, I was just thinking, getting yeah. back to the, what does it mean to be made in God's image versus the animals on earth? Yes. I'm just trying to say that there is, even though the Ruach is involved in both places, we see that there's an extra ingredient with men, or men and women, with mankind is what I mean. Um, and that is the spirit is infused into us as well. And, and by, by the way, um, you know, this has big implications. I mean, what this means is that every human has a little bit of divinity in them that we must respect, right? This is why we respect life so much. This is why we respect everyone as being made in God's image, like all humankind, without exception, right? That's why God believes more about the seal than the unborn baby. Right. Or an example. Well, I think that I think that the the thing is is that yeah, if if you're a non-believer, um, you're attached to the notion that everything is just a product of random chance anyway. Right? You are the seal is and we're all on the same level. We're all parallel. I'm a mathematician. <laughs> No, I know, I know. I'm just like, yeah, that, of course. That one frustrates me more than anything else because they would throw out any other conclusion that had that kind of odds. Right. Ecclesiastes, and the dust returns to the earth as it once was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Another reference to the fact that all living creature, all living humans have this Holy Spirit in them that is different than what the animals have. 
Zechariah 12.1, a pronouncement, the word of the Lord concerning Israel, a declaration of the Lord who stretched out the heavens, laid the foundations of the earth, and formed the spirit of man within him. So when humans die, our physical bodies go to the earth, but our spirit goes back to God who gave it to us. So, uh, you know, one thing that is a little pet peeve of mine, it's not a big deal, but like, you know, rest in peace is a pet peeve of mine. Because no one's resting. <laughs> There's no resting happening. You're alive somewhere. Your spirit goes somewhere after your physical body dies. You're not asleep. Soul sleep is, is heresy. There is no such thing as soul sleep. Which the idea of soul sleep is that you die and then, like, let's say it's a thousand years between when you physically die and when Christ returns and everything gets wrapped up and the resurrection occurs that you would be asleep, your soul would be asleep, and it wouldn't know. You know how like you go to sleep and you wake up and it's morning and it doesn't feel like there's any time passed? Well, your soul would go to sleep, a thousand years would go by, you would instantly wake up, or you would feel like it was instantaneous because you'd wake up and boom, you're in the resurrection. But really, your soul had been asleep for a thousand years. That's called soul sleep. That is not biblical. You die, physically die, your spirit goes somewhere um, instantaneously and is conscious somewhere. But even, our, even in, the, in the New Testament, it refers to they're asleep. I mean, it's kind of well, it says when they fall asleep, meaning their physical bodies. It was, a, it was, a, it was just a, a nice way of saying die. <laughs> Why does it, like in Revelation, it talks about the resurrected people from the ocean and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's where I, I mean, like, so are we going to heaven? We're hanging out there for a while, then God says, all right, Get back in the old body. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it glorified. And, Not the old. You know, you know what I mean? It'd be you know, a new. We're gonna make it better. And yes. Better. That's, my mom passed away from leukemia way too early, and she is right now with Jesus, alive, conscious with her Savior right now. But she will get a physical body too, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, most people will say she she'd be disembodied until she gets her resurrection. Correct. Yeah, no, she's, there's an intermediate state that happens between now and when the resurrection of the dead occurs. And in that intermediate state, she is disembodied. She is in a spiritual form right now. But she's absolutely there. We know that's true. We know, like, if you read Hebrews 11, this is a whole different theology discussion, but when you read Hebrews 11, it's the Faith Hall of Fame, right? And it's like, here's all the people who have been faithful that we should look up to. And then chapter 12 starts off, and since we see all these, know all these people are a witness to us, they're a great cloud of witnesses, we should perform. The idea is like, you know, there's going to be these two big football games today. The athletes are going to try to perform because they know people are watching. The people are in the stands cheering them. Well, that's the great cloud of witnesses is they're, uh, they're able to see us. So our, our forerunners... This is kind of a weird thing to think about if you meditate on it, but it should motivate us. Our forerunners can see us right now. They're watching our life. I've wondered that. Really? Without a doubt. Wow. Like, and again, I, not to go down a controversial path at all, but this is why the ancient church prayed to saints. Because they didn't see it as worship. They didn't feel like it's praying to God. It'd be like, what did we just do for each other in here? We prayed for each other, did we not? Was that idolatry? 
If I pray for you, Steve, is that idolatry? If you say, Scott, would you pray for me? Scott, please ask the Father to do X. Have you been worshiping an idol right there? No, that's totally normal, correct? Okay, well, what if I was actually sitting with the Father, literally with Him? Do you think it might be more effective for you to say, Scott, would you, hey, would you turn to Him and say blah, blah, blah? That was the idea. So why is it, why is it wrong? Well, no, no, I don't want to get into that. I'm just saying, like, to, Protestants have thrown that out, but I'm trying to show you it was, a, it was well understood. The Here's the point. It's well understood that our forerunners in the faith are witnesses to what we're doing. They're alive. They're active right now. That's the point. Does that make sense? Okay. If you want to. But why do you want to do that when you have direct access to the throne room to God Himself, the Creator? I would never consider it. Okay, I get it. But just to, just, to take, just to play the other side, you do it every day of your life. You ask me to pray for you. Yes. You have direct access to God. Why would you not just go to Him? Why do you want me to pray for you? Because there's power in prayer. Exactly. Well, it's, 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 it's just what we do, right? We're a fellowship. We're in community. That's the body lifting up. Exactly. To answer the question, because the prayer of a righteous man affects much. Yep. Maybe you're more righteous than I am, and you, your prayer would have more impact than mine. Okay, so again, just to play it full out, then if you could ask, for instance, Athanasius, who stood against the world for Christ, is he more righteous than the guy you might know that you could ask to pray? If he's in God's presence. Okay, there you go. I'm not, I'm not asking you to pray to people who are dead. I'm tr my point is that the Spirit leaves and goes to a place where they are active. And this has been understood by the church for a long time. And we just need to, I'm just making the point since we're studying the Spirit, of why is the breath that's in man, why is the Spirit that is in man different than the Spirit that's in animals? It's because God, the divinity of God, enters into a person when he breathes into them. Has everybody got that? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, can you go back to the one before about whenever, uh, let's see, okay, when the spirit returns to God and gave it. So would that be, that's not going to be everyone's spirit goes back to God, or it could, because now we're saying that everyone has a little bit of the spirit of God, even before they're believers. Correct. So that when they die, if they're an unbeliever, then that still goes back to They're God. still made in his image. They still go to judgment. Yeah, they still go to him, and he routes them to where they need to go, right? Mm -hmm. So like in the cartoons where you see the two doors, that's what it is. There's one door over here, and up escalator, and down, and elevators. Another thing that you can do here is dust is matter. Yep. It is finite. It is temporary, where spirit is... Yep. So that's that's the difference between us and God is that, well that I mean is that we are we are finite but we have His Spirit and so that part of us that dual nature of us returns Him because of of it's eternal. Correct. The resurrected body which will be incorruptible will also be eternal. Correct. But we don't get that yet. You know, and I mentioned it when I told my story, but the mind body problem in philosophy. 
Do you want to read some tortured thinking over the years? <laughs> is them trying to deal with the fact that it, just, it shows that they just know that there's something there, but they're trying to come up with some way to explain it away so they don't have to have a God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we're clear that the, the spirit in animals is different than the spirit in humans. That's the big takeaway. Okay. Is the spirit that's in man part of God? I thought I heard you say Well, that. I, I would say it's slightly different than that. I would say that God has infused every human being with his nature. There's a, there is, there's a divinity in every human that makes us in his image that an animal doesn't have. So you have the breath of life, which is the animating force that makes something alive versus dead. But what we see in these passages, like Job, is that when the breath came into man, something extra was infused, and that was his spirit. Uh, I mean, that's the part that we have to speculate on because it's not made extremely clear, in the, at least in these early passages. The, the revelation progresses. But no. Correct. So we don't get sucked into the essence of God. No, no, no. You know, we're like, where every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That doesn't happen? I thought that was scripture. <laughs> No, you're not. No, I'm not saying that we're all small gods or anything crazy like that. I'm just saying that God put his spirit into us in addition to the animating force that every living creature has. And that's kind of why we tend to try to make a god or seek for a god is because he's in us. We know just by our spirit is kind of revealing God to us even before we really know. Like if you were on an island and you don't even know about Jesus, you would still have a feeling that there is something that created you. Correct. Is that because his spirit is... Correct. Okay. Correct. I kind of think of it as a capacity, a, a, a possibility. The reason I'm... We're kind of in the weeds, but I'm just answering actually... I, I anticipated the question that we actually had two people ask, and that is when you... Because we don't have the words Holy Spirit, we have this idea of the Ruach, and we have to try to decide, are we talking about the Holy Spirit or are we not? And we've got the Ruach going into animals and the Ruach going into people. Is there a difference? And what I'm saying is, yes, we see other passages like the ones I'm just giving you that tell us there's this extra ingredient that people get that animals don't get. Does that make sense? I think there's a step missing. If I could. Okay. So let, let's imagine the, even, you know, that God, the first man... Take that. He takes the material, mm-hmm. creates the shell. We just have material, right? Mm-hmm. Now. Yep. God has to, and this comes even to when we're talking pro life, God has to create the person. Yep. Out of nothing. Yep. God creates a person. Yep. And gives them a soul. Yep. And that's what he put into Adam. Yep. And it was a human soul. Mm-hmm. It's different than an animal. That's right. Animals do are soulish. I don't understand it, but they're different than ants. Yes. And uh, but I'm just saying the 
the breathing in is the creations, just like when we have a, a human created now, when a baby's formed, God out of nothing creates a new person, the soul that's put into that material. Right. That's right. So that's kind of how it's always dangerous to bring think, Star Wars into it, but yeah. luminous beings we are. Not this crude matter. Yeah. I think the <laughs> other part of that creation account that's important to put in there is that he made all of the creations besides us, mm-hmm. then said, Now let us create man in our image. Yep. Rather than just saying, Hey, I'm gonna make some animals. Yep. Like, I'm gonna make something that's like us. Yep. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So Dr. Kaiser says, so the human is made up of both body and spirit. The nefesh hayim, the living being, with its use of the word nefesh, can also be rendered as soul or spirit. Because of this connection, the humanity was created by God's spirit breath. Men and women are able to be responsive to the control of the Holy Spirit, who formed that unique gift in each of them. It is God, the Holy Spirit, then, who breathes something altogether new into each being. Just as God sent his divine word and the earth and heavenly bodies were brought into existence by his word, and as the Holy Spirit overshadowed the Virgin Mary and the incarnate Son of God when he was born into this world, so also it is it was God the Holy Spirit who gave the breath that animated Adam into a living being. And let it sit. Uh, it's long. I, I don't know if it's, I mean, I, I'm working my way through the canon book you recommended. Okay, yeah, it's a good book. Okay, Genesis 6. Uh, and the Lord said, My spirit will not remain with mankind forever because they are corrupt. Their days will be 120 years. Now, um, side note, this, I don't want us to go down yet another rabbit trail. But a lot of people think this is saying that men will not live for more than 120 years starting at this point. It is not true. It was 120 years to build the ark. That's what this is referring to. Everybody does. Just throwing it out there. Now you know. Okay. So um, he says, my spirit will not remain. This is a very interesting word, isn't it? With mankind forever, because they are corrupt, their days will be 120 years. This word remain is deen, and it means judge, plead, argue, rule. And as far as the small number of occurrences allow a test, the range of meanings is exactly the same. To govern in the whole range of activities of government, legislative, executive, judicial, or otherwise. The chief theological significance of this word is that apparently it embodies the idea of government in whatever realm in all its aspects. So what's interesting is that it has this idea of pleading and arguing included in it. So he's not going, my spirit will not deen with mankind forever, judge or bring a case against them forever. It, it, the King James uh, translated it as strive, I will not strive with men forever. New American Standard calls it contend. I will not contend with man forever. It's this idea of like God is wrestling with man, trying to get him to do the right thing. 
And I'm not going to keep arguing with you. I'm not going to keep striving with you forever. Yeah, well, they, yeah, and they became unbelievably wicked, like a wickedness we probably can't fathom. You know, we think we live in wicked days, we have no idea. I mean, it's walking dead times a thousand. I mean, utter chaos. So he's trying to plead with the antediluvians, you know, the, the people who lived before the flood, and um, even during the arch construction. He's pleading, right? And the ark itself is a pleading. Like, hey, what are you doing? Well, God said he's going to destroy the earth because y'all won't turn. Uh, you're crazy. All right. Um, by the way, the Holy Spirit is used to warn of imminent danger throughout Scripture. We'll see that. Um, and people who are adamant and stubborn, the Holy Spirit's like... But men sometimes obviously don't respond. And so he's like, we're not going to keep doing that. Everybody's getting out. We got, we're past time. Um, we got two more references or three more references to get through. Two more references to get through uh, that are examples in the Pentateuch of the Holy Spirit. Any last questions? We'll, 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 we'll wrap up those and move into the historical books next time. Yeah. But there is a declining of age. Without a doubt. And, and that's probably atmospheric. Uh, well, it's most likely genetic. Um, the gene pool gets very compressed at that point. You only had eight living humans, so you have genetic anomalies that can start to show up. And what's really interesting is um, I forget which of the sons, there's one son. Um, that ends up living way less than everybody else. And it's like there was a genetic flaw in his line that would have ended up affecting all the rest of humanity and creating like this really significant spiral down in lifespans. Um, I'll look that up because I, I did a study on this a long time ago, but it's pretty interesting. They've done some genetic like kind of, I don't know what the right word is, but you know, looking back um, forensically, uh, genetically about what was going on there and you see certain things start to sprout up but somehow in that line there was something going on but the reason we know it's not 120 is because God's word is accurate and there's people who live longer than 120 years after this so we know it can't mean that no one's going to live past 120 uh, just a quick interesting note was after the flood was when um, alcohol arrived really it wasn't mentioned before the flood was it well I don't know but I Noah himself Drunk. Yeah, my guess is they didn't invent wine right then on the spot, though. I mean, I yeah, yeah. I, I think people probably figured out how to uh, make things that were, uh, you know, mind-altering long before that happened. Yeah, they were smoking and drinking something. That's for sure. Did you have a question, Tolly? Oh yes. Was Noah alive whenever Abraham was alive? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. It is possible, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. okay. In fact, Someone told me I was crazy, you know, thought No, that's the that's the crazy thing when you start to look at the generations and who would have been alive when. 
Like, um, there's this is a whole different thing, but you know, like a lot of the like um, Nordic gods and the and the Greek gods and stuff like that. There's um, there's a lot of uh, evidence that there would have been peoples that were dispersed because of the after the flood and after the Tower of Babel, they would have been dispersed and they would have lived really, really long times and that they would have passed into legend. And so, like, there would have been people who knew them and so they would have seemed godlike to the people who didn't live that long anymore because they had been around since the very beginning of everything. So. Well, wait, so you're saying just people that lived that, that were not Noah's family? No, before that, people just lived really, really long time. And so those, those, and then, you know, we have the whole situation of the, which is super weird, but, you know, the, the sons of God marrying the daughters of men and that whole thing. But, yeah, there would have been people who lived a really long time. And so they would have passed into, passed into legend. What's that? Those people who lived very long times would have been the basis of the myths. Correct. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Thank you, guys. Uh, I won't be here next week, but please come. We'll have something awesome to go for y'all to do. Thanks for listening. We pray this has been edifying. If you've enjoyed the show, please give us a shout out on your favorite social media platform. Scott's username on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is Scott Ross Online. That's Scott Ross Online, all one word. Also, please remember to go to scottrossonline.com to subscribe, catch up on past episodes, and discuss what you've learned with others. Until next time, continue to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. God bless you.